It's episode 48 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garshinsky, and joining me today are J.P. Breen and Ryan Topp. And hey, quick soccer talk. Soccer talk. Russia got knocked out. Woohoo! Screw those Ruskies, right? Yes. It made me deeply, deeply happy. I was so very, very angry when they equalized with, what was it, like three minutes left in <laughs> the extra time? I didn't watch it. I just know they got eliminated. I was talking to Breen. <laughs> I was I was I was crestfallen at that point. I'm like, oh god, they're going to go through now. And it then would have been, it would have been entertaining though to like watch them win the World Cup and then have everything crumble down because of like blood doping allegations afterwards and make FIFA have to deal with that. But I mean, FIFA wouldn't because it's FIFA. I know, but then like watch everything crumble. Um, hey, it's you know a Russian. It's you know a Russian way. Everybody right? talked. Everybody talked about watching the world burn and Russia. That didn't work out so great. So let's not do that, okay? Let's not just count on the the world crumbling. Look, as was it Billy Joel? Is that he the one who said that we didn't start the fire? Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. It is Billy Joel. It is the great William Joel. <laughs> wow. Oh, another baby boomer passing the buck. So um, you can help fans find the podcast who don't like soccer because we're not a soccer podcast, right? We, you can help them uh, find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts. We want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKETailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page. You can follow the three of us on Twitter, and you'll find that in our Milwaukee's Tailgate Twitter bio. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash MKETailgate. Our ball and glove patrons will receive the monthly minor league extra podcast and that's coming soon yeah we'll do it this week okay yeah it didn't come together for last week and we'll do it this week jp what do you think is ryan on on track with that absolutely okay we'll be able to get some good 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 information in and we'll figure out something to make it uh make it worth everybody's while Perfect. Uh, Milwaukee's Tailgate is sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing. From Dragon Flute to Block Party to Fantasy Factory IPA, K4 specializes in English-style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. Thursday, July 13th, Carbon 4 is re-releasing a small batch of Strawberry Fantasy Factory IPA. It's only available in ke- kegs for a limited time, so head over to the Carbon 4 Brewery on Kinsman Boulevard and bring your growler or pick one up at the brewery. Because you can buy growlers at the brewery. Sure can. You don't need to have one. Just go there. They aren't that expensive. No, no, because they like to fill them with more expensive beer then. Exactly. So I I suggest doing that if you haven't gone and just gotten a growler from a brewery before. Yeah, when we moved, I had four of them, and my wife was less than pleased. She's like, can't we get rid of some of these? And I'm like, but you can fill places. You can fill all of them up still. Sure. And they're all from different places. And one of them is that metal one from Hawaii that was really good. Oh, those are expensive. Oh, that was super expensive, and it's super awesome. Love those, that Those growler. metal ones are great, but they're expensive. Otherwise, regular glass growlers you can get probably for like five to seven bucks. Some places will even do them for like two or three if yeah. they just want to. You have to obviously get a fill from them, but yeah. But that's part of the fun is getting it filled. So I recommend <laughs> doing that. Just go buy yeah, empty just having, growlers. Just, just having an them. empty one is kind of useless. So, hey, Eric Thames just went yard. Hey, that's good for all my fantasy teams. <laughs> just what everybody wants to hear. Thanks, about. Breen. So uh, I'm just I'm just saying, does does Thames's home run really matter if if Jesus Aguilar had one in the same? Because how are they going to fit into the same lineup? The world may never know. Well, we ha- we have some topics coming up where I think we can figure out ways to get them both on the lineup. But before we get to that, uh, make sure you check out Carbon4.com uh, for more information and Carbon4 Beer Brilliance. Milwaukee Steelgate is also sponsored in part by Sound Devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear, and they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound Devices gear is used worldwide and is found on the set of Oscar-winning films and popular TV shows. And if you're looking to create a professional-sounding podcast, check out the MixPre 3 and MixPre 6. For more information, visit sounddevices.com. Okay, we just mentioned how do you get all those guys uh, on the field at the same time, and we've had a flurry of roster moves in the past day or two. I mean, it's really been just an ongoing flurry. Again, all season. We, but they, but they we're eight in a day. Yes. <laughs> I but, mean, there were eight in a day. But also, we're recording on, on Sunday afternoon, we don't know what's going to happen when this is released on Monday morning. So, oh God, there's probably going to be another three moves. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? 
So um, Lorenzo Cain was activated from the DL. He started on Sunday, so that was good to see. Ryan Braun and Manny Pena were both uh, placed on the DL. So Pena had a left bicep strain that finally put him on the DL, and Ryan Braun has a back intercostal issue that's been bothering him. Um, so they're kind of taking advantage of the DL and the all-star break to get him a little extra rest. So, you know, JP, have we gotten to the point where, I mean, we know that Braun's body needs to be managed to a certain point, but I mean, is he basically a part-time player at this point? Yeah. I mean, I think the toughest thing to be able to look at is the fact that you can see that you know, skill-wise, he can still put the bat on the ball. He's still, you know, we've talked about how his exit velocities have been some of the highest in the league, even though his batting average hasn't necessarily shown it. But, you know, now he's what? Is it calf issues, back issues, and thumb issues, right? That it's are the whole like Ryan Braun. Recur- it's like recurring at this point, yeah, right? It's the like whole, it's the the whole schmear for Ryan. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't think talent-wise – anybody would say that you know he can't hold down an everyday job at this well maybe some people but i i don't put much value in that argument um but health wise yeah i mean i think at this point you're looking at trying to not play him more than what four times a week i would guess yeah i mean he was looking ragged before he went on the dl well he just he has not been healthy that back issue where he you could see it when he runs that as soon as he stops running, like he still actually has kind of the foot speed and could get down the line to first reasonably well. He beat out some some close plays uh, earlier this week on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But then you watch him afterwards and he's stretching. He's doing the old man thing that I'm getting used to. I was going to say, I can relate to that. Yeah, it's like everything. Like he could still kind of like perform in that moment, but then he pays for it. And then you see it and you're like, oh, that doesn't look good. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of part of his profile now. Like I said, the intercostal, it's his corduroy of uh, injuries. It is. Right? Yeah. He plays that one at every concert. So I think it's one of the weirdest things about this past week was he, I think, kind of pulled up after sprinting to first and then like just couldn't sprint to a ball that ended up being a ground rule double in the gap um, where everybody thought like, it was either going to be a home run or just everyone couldn't see it in the sun. And then all of a sudden you realize that like Ryan Braun just couldn't run for it. And so then he ended up getting subbed out, but it was just one of the weirdest things where he was in the game, but just like was just acknowledging basically that his body just didn't have it in him to run into the gaps anymore, which is a tough thing to be able to see. So obviously some DL time is going to help. Well, and I mean, Braun's an interesting one because he used to be, you know, that that full body torque, big swing when he came up. And, you know, obviously over the years, his swings shortened up while still maintaining the power. But I think even now he's still he he the torque he does create his his body just can't handle it anymore, even shortening that swing. Yeah. And I mean, I'm obviously not a physiologist by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, some people's bodies are more tightly wound for for a lack of a better term i suppose right like i mean this is something that eric thames talked about getting older and he needed to completely change his entire stretching routine because his body just couldn't handle playing that much and he had to completely spend like one to two hours stretching every single day he said he was doing it when he was in korea and ryan bronze just seems to be the kind of guy who's also very very tightly wound that things just he tweaks a lot of muscles pretty easily and maybe it is because he plays you know so full tilt i mean he's he dives all the time in the outfield obviously and yeah, those he, are things that you would imagine regardless of how matter. he's feeling he does not hold back which is good to see yeah and but you know again at that point his body clearly can't handle it anymore um or maybe never really could handle it and was you know obviously being able to stay healthy through other means but, well, the timing of this is also really telling for both, I think, Braun and especially Pena. And it was mentioned on the radio broadcast today as we were driving back. And they they mentioned that, well, so this for in both Braun and Pena's case, this is going to take them into the All-Star break. So they're going to get that extra rest. Oh, did you get up and walk to the door to do something while I was talking about all of that? 
I think I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so they, they're getting that little bit of extra time here and that, you know, especially in the case of Pina, I think you, it, you one does wonder how much that's factoring in here where they're able to take advantage of getting him that extra rest too so he can really get an extended break. Oh, another home run. No, oh, no, that was called that re- was a replay. That was called a replay, Ryan. Yeah, well, I just looked up. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, they do, Steve. They do that occasionally. They have this technology where they can record video and play it back for you on demand. They need to. They need to put a huge watermark on it that says <laughs> replay. Have you ever watched really old broadcasts of like I don't know college football games or whatever, and they make such a big deal out of here we go to our instant replay because it was a brand new technology and like oh, I thought you were gonna say they had the, just gotten it. I like you were gonna Jackson say the really like old 1980. ones. I thought you were gonna say the really old ones were like you were watching a baseball game and the only time you saw the score updated was at the beginning and end of an inning. When they would basically the the on screen graphic was a like shot of the billboard. Well, uh so I don't think this is a replay, Steven. <laughs> So it'd be a, a, no, another another Jesus Aguilar bomb, a three run. So the Brewers Pra-praise are now up. Praise Jesus! <laughs> yeah, Brewers are now up ten to uh, one in a game that you are when you're listening to this. You already knew that a long, long time ago. Well, it would have been nice if they could have used some of these runs yesterday instead of <laughs> piling it on, right? I mean, you that's know, how it works, right? You get to choose when you just. <laughs> it really is too. about run distribution. <laughs> I'm only saying that because I literally just saw it on Twitter. I assume it was a joke, but. You never can be tell. You, you never, you never can, can be tell. We, we, yeah, we, we don't know about jokes on Twitter anymore. It's too hard to follow. So I don't even um, know when I joke on Twitter. <laughs> it has. The Simpsons were dude. The, yeah, the Simpsons were twenty years ahead of that one with their Hullabalooza <laughs> episode. So, uh, anyways, so yeah, Pena and Braun are on the DL. Nate Orf and Jacob Nottingham were recalled uh, from Colorado Springs. How did Orf get? called back up i guess well, they were DL. joking they were joking on yeah because when you put somebody on the dl you're allowed to turn them right around they were joking on the broadcast they're like do you think orf actually got on the plane or did he just like turn around and get the call back yeah how far right out away? do you think they knew that i mean they had to have known by the end of yesterday's game that they were kind of leaning that direction potentially and so i wonder if they like or if never even like got on the plane yeah, if he I did, know. I guess he's just getting some extra frequent flyer. Miles. I was going to say when they fly, or the, does the club get the miles, or does the player? I mean, it should be the player. The player should get that, but it probably don't. Well, if the club's charging, there are companies the t- that if that, the club is charging the tickets, I don't know if they have to get reimbursed. Well, it's the way it used to. Yeah, Stop. clubs used to do that. I'm stuff. kidding. Let's move on. <laughs> Who's getting the credit card points? Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, needs to get on dude, I swear trip. to God, my company had that where they're like, "You, we don't have a, a company card, but you can get points if you want to charge it yourself and, and claim it. And then get reimbursed, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's I'm like, I, I'm like I screw that. I don't want to carry a balance. Well, that's what, so, isn't that what no. all the, hold on. That's what all the baseball beat writers do. Cause they all talk about how every, if, when you're, when you're a baseball beat writer, the first thing they tell you apparently is get a Marriott rewards card. Yeah. Well, who was it? <laughs> was it McAlvey and like Rosiak or somebody got stuck? They, they their flight drive, got canceled. They drive back from, uh, from Cincinnati last weekend. Yeah. Oh, that was geez. pretty great. The the running commentary of all the things it sounded like McAlvey was really uh sticking it to Rosiak on that drive back. Well, if you eat too much of that that Cincinnati chili or whatever it is, I'm sure being stuck in a car for six or eight hours isn't a great experience. So um anyways. Okay, so uh Jacob Nottingham recalled. I think people have wanted to see him get back up here, at least a little bit with how poorly Pena's been playing. And by people you mean JP. Sure. Sure. He's the only person that exists <laughs> online that has written the name Jacob Nottingham on Twitter that you can search. So, JP, uh, are there any expectations for Nottingham at this point? Like, what are we going to get out of him now that he's back up? If he's only up for 10 days, I have no idea. Um, but if he's if this is potentially an audition to see if he can handle maybe 50% uh, workload, then... You know, we'll have an opportunity to see how his bat can translate because in the short viewings that we've had at the big league level, I think he's actually shown pretty well with his glove in terms of being able to, to block balls. His framing has been a little bit better than I expected. 
he shows an ability to work with a pitching staff, which is obviously something he's worked on for the last few years down in the minors, but he's hitting the ball really well right now. And it's hard to tell how much of that is just, you know, Colorado Springs and how much of that is he's finally made enough defensive gains that he can actually start focusing on his offense again. Um, we've seen that with Lucroy. We've seen that with a lot of catchers in the past that sometimes just offense develops a little bit later because they have to put so much effort into their defensive development. And I'll be interested to see if if his quality offensive production is able to carry over to to the big leagues. And I'm also interested to see if during this break, Kratz is the de facto starter or if they actually do give Nottingham a run and Kratz still is kind of like the getaway day guy. Sure. Now, I'd expect more of a 50-50 is he, split. Well, okay, so here's my question. Is he a threat to Kratz? If if Nottingham has a good showing, is he a threat to Kratz as far as a guy on the roster? Or is Nottingham up here just because of Pena's DL stint? I have no idea. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really... JP, do you think Nottingham could perform well enough that they say, when Manny Pena gets back, we want to keep him up? Is this his chance to finally say, I get to stay in the majors? I don't know. I, I don't. I, I really struggle to think that there is any decision that the Brewers are going to make that's built over two weeks. But you've seen with Freddie Peralta that you know at this point they're just like we're not, we can't send him down. Like he just continues to produce at this point, and I don't know how many starts that Nottingham is going to be able to get to kind of put on that kind of performance to make the make a similar claim. I think. If Manny Pena is still going to be the starter when Manny Pena returns from the DL, I don't think that there is much use having Nottingham up. I think Kratz is a really good defensive, or he's a really good backup catcher. And I think that Manny Pena is a really good backup catcher. Well, and they've also shown that this is a team that prizes depth, and they're willing to make moves to maintain depth. Yeah, absolutely. And I and so this is something we have talked about, right? Like if you can get optioned, you will get optioned. Um, so I think in a similar vein, that's probably the right way to, to think about it. But I think, I don't know, it's probably a really small chance, like I'd say under 20% chance, just, you know, throwing random numbers out. But I mean, may, is is this an opportunity where Jacob Nottingham could actually make a run at being the starter and Manny Pena moves to being kind of a backup catcher? And yeah, that obviously means that Kratz is kind of the odd man out, but Kratz has been a, a, just a usable backup option for so many teams for the past six years that it's not something that I think the Brewers would feel like he's not going to be able to catch on somewhere else. I mean... I feel like Nottingham, the ceiling, at least for this year, to me, would be more like, at most, if him and Pena are the catchers, maybe a 60-40 split is kind of 60 Pena, 40 Nottingham could make but sense. What's, but what's the point in having Nottingham up if if one of his key attributes is going to be as bad, right? Because Kratz is going to be a better defensive catcher. He's going to be handle, he's going to handle pitching better. What it, What would be the benefit to have him come up and if they're really have, desperate and have, for for some sort of offensive but uh, the, but in that case then right if they were that desperate he's going to get more than 40 percent of the at bats wait yeah. hold on hold on is this team desperate for offense because you know we've seen that they have what the best defense in the league right now jp i think you were kind of looking at some of those stats i mean i was using defensive run saved because sure but they're close the they're point, in that they're in the conversation well, well yeah so like defensive run saved they're clear in a way the best defensive team like using those statistics uh uzr they're in the top couple um but baseball prospectus doesn't do like team fielding runs above average so it's hard to tell about there but they are they rank a little bit lower on that than they do in in defensive run saved um but yes they've been an elite defensive club just saying that you know whether they're the best or they're like the second or third best i don't really know still the point is they prize preventing runs you know obviously and that extends more than just what the pitching staff does on the mound 
Sure. Like it takes everybody in the field to prevent runs. And they're well, clearly and, applying and they're, that this season. The way they shift is also a big part of that too, that they're they're doing they shift. They went out and got guys this season who were good defensive players. I mean, so yeah. it's great to see Lorenzo Kane hit, but he's also a great defensive center fielder. Keon Broxton put on an amazing performance over what was Mark Simon tweeted that out. It was Keon Broxton had eleven It was like nine days and eleven runs saved. Eleven runs something. saved or something, just something Which, just absolutely like, otherworldly absurd. And you could like pick out which plays he saved runs on too, right? Oh Not, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't just like the home run he gave back, but like made a couple of di- diving catches. I can remember a couple that he went he ranged to his right to go into the gap to take a couple away. I mean, he was unbelievable. Yeah, he, he had that really one, had a few of them. Yeah, yeah, he had that one late in Cincinnati that was like a liner that was cut and it was between center and right field. Yeah, that was like I mean, in there the ninth inning. You were like, is he actually going to get to that? And he would either stretch for it or just kind of well and it was like a ninth inning play or something to eighth or ninth i think it was it was off of scooter Jeanette, wasn't it was it yeah it might have been that sounds right yeah so yeah obviously i could just be wish casting that one in i'm not 100 <laughs> sure we need to take every run away from scooter as possible just because of that move i, I know mean, there I are know. people i know there are people who are still they have the regrets again you know you can regret Losing Scooter Jeanette, but they also picked up Jesus Aguilar. So I don't know who'd yes, you rather have. Right they now? kept, yeah. People need to remember that 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 basically keep letting Scooter Jeanette go allowed them to keep Jesus Aguilar on the roster. So. But it's also like a good lesson to think about too that other teams make the, those mistakes. Well, that other teams make good moves. First of all, um, but. So like the inverse, I suppose, of what you were talking about. Yeah. Um, but there is no guarantee whatsoever that Scooter Jeanette would have developed in the same way with the Brewers. No. I mean, there's zero. There is zero guarantee that that was going to happen just because development is so tricky. Well, um, okay. Last thing on Scooter, I think what's surprising is that he's actually been better this season than he was last year, which I didn't think he would have a better year than he had in 2017. And he's been. And this is something that you know I think when he was first called up. This was something that I wrote about a lot, and I and it was like, why isn't Scooter Jeanette getting more opportunities against lefties? He's shown the ability in the minors to to hit against lefties, and uh, and he just couldn't do it with the Brewers. And he, in some respects, he wasn't really given an opportunity to. Um, but he's been absolutely mashing lefties for the Reds. Well, and he's an interesting one because people like to think he wasn't a prospect for the Brewers. Like he was just oh, yeah, a little guy that is, came up. Yeah, that he was absolutely from the moment before he even signed, when he was drafted, people were f- closely following whether or he not was, the Brewers were going to be able to sign him. Yeah, he was drafted in the teens, fifteenth round, fifteenth round, something 16, like that, and there. they signed him away from Florida, Florida State. State. Yeah. Yeah, they Florida State, and they were saying that if he went to Florida State, he was probably going to be a first-round pick after he had an opportunity to develop. They paid way over slot, like, well, they didn't really have slots, but they paid him. They paid I a believe, ton of money, yeah. They paid him, I think, over three hundred thousand, uh, which would be the equivalent of at least a second or second round or a third-round pick. Um, and well, at that time, maybe it's a little bit different, and maybe it'd be a little higher. But I mean, he was. He was like a top three prospect in the organization for better, like two or three years running. I mean, he um, was, there was always the question because of the size. People, you know, doubted whether or not he could be as good as what it looked like he was going to be based on his numbers, based on what he was doing production wise. So there was always like the skepticism, which, yeah, I mean, that's natural and that's, that's part of the deal. I think people have gotten away from that a little bit more as we've gone on now. People don't, necessarily insta tag small guys as being unable to produce with power and with you know as an all-around hitter the way they maybe did five years ago because of jose altuve coming along because of a guy like Jeanette coming along you well know, you have scooter uh, you have altuve you had pedroia well, hey, for years i mean there are plenty got, of guys that got, can you've break got that lindor, mold. but you've got lindor now you've got albias you've got so many guys that are that yeah are shorter now, well you are, see ooh, the result of that is like Nick Madrigal going, what did he go fourth this year? Third, fourth, wherever yeah, he got drafted. Absolutely. You know, well, he got drafted, even though he's a tiny guy and people were just like, well, we think he's a really, really good hitter and there's enough power in there that it's, you know, he's going to be an impactful big league hitter. So at an up the middle position. And I will say in a, in a previous podcast life, when Ryan and I, uh, d- didn't, weren't yet graced with the absolute professionalism that Steve brings to the podcast. <laughs> 
uh, we had something. We had an interview with uh, with Kevin Goldstein, who's now uh, high up the scouting chain. RIP KG. I was going to say, could we get an interview with him again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably, probably not on the record. Um, and he and I were talking, uh, and this was back what? God, when were we doing that? 2012? 2012. It had to be 11, 12 ish. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it couldn't have been 2013 because that's when I started grad school. Um, God, I've been fucking school forever. Uh, <laughs> it's It was an opportunity where he and I were talking about Scooter Jeanette as being the top prospect in the system. And he well, was both, saying that he actually. Yeah, both he and Parks on what was the podcast? F, up and in? Up and in. Yeah. Yeah, they both talked about Scooter Jeanette loving him quite a bit at that time. Yeah, absolutely. He was actually saying that he was more bullish on his on his, uh, like his eventual power output than the vast majority of the scouting community. And, and one of the reasons that he ended up getting hired by the Astros is because he was so high on Altuve. He was one of the first kind of public scouting guys that was all in on Altuve from when he was a minor leaguer yep. hard. Yep. And um and I think that that you know KG was somebody that was much more open to not scouting just purely on body type. And I mean, this is something we saw the Brewers do with you know their what was it a two year thing where they decided they didn't want any pitchers under six three. Oh God, um, <laughs> the symposium. That's you know that's a, the symposium. Well, that's how we ended up get. That's how we ended up getting like Taylor Youngman. That's how we got Joe Bradley and Arnett, of Jed Gray, Bradley. You know, right? Yeah, all those yeah. guys. Um, and they're they're six three and taller and. They have to be good. Well, it was like they, they had like they wanted them to be six, three or taller. They had to have a fastball at a certain velocity and they had to like have a certain medical history. Um, and, you know, th- obviously it was much more complicated than that. But those were like the guiding principles b- behind what they wanted to be able to do for for pitching, to be able to turn around their pitching development. Um, and obviously Ray Montgomery is. We could now, we could also well, mention that, you know, as part of that also, they did end up with Jimmy Nelson. So. Correct. Yes. Not every single pick that they made. There, there are guys that fit that mold who are also going to be good, but yeah. to draft um, them purely on that. Is well, it wasn't, they weren't drafting it purely on that. That was pretty close. It, no, so. no, 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 no. They were looking for other things as well, but they, they were putting those benchmarks in and saying, we don't want short pitchers. So that's why they didn't take Sonny Gray. They don't anyway. want, they don't want low velocity. If guys. you want to go back to what, a, what a phone call between Ryan and I sounds like. Oh well, God, that was old school. Yeah, this is old school. Like five minutes ago, we said not to talk about Scooter Jeanette again, um, but we shouldn't make it the Scooter Jeanette podcast. I mean, we could really go back and just deep dive into that 2009 draft again. <laughs> Man, do you want to talk about Kentrell Davis? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, or Kyle Hackathorn. <laughs> okay, there, there's uh, yeah, we were doing that the other day. We were going through some names. Well, yeah, because I pulled up. Brim, let's I, talk about Brim. I pulled up a top ten list from what was it, 2011, 2012 from the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, some of the names on there. That's a a graveyard of prospect names. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, there is some exciting news. Uh, Corbin Burns was selected to fill the forty uh, man roster. He got the final spot. Yeah, I got sent out. Yes. Sorry, sorry about that, everybody. Z- Zagurski went down. Ryan's doppelganger. Yeah, that like. He pitched, if I was given he more time, about I could well. have been better. He pitched about Man, as well legit, as we expect that Ryan was legit to. Scary! I saw that, and like all of us immediately. So, like, obviously, we. It was Mike Bischoff was the one who caught it and sent it to God, me first. It was just yeah. like I saw that, and I was like, uh, "Oh, Jesus!" Yeah, no, <laughs> I, 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 I will be completely honest with you. When I saw it, when he sent it to me, my first reaction because my wife got me that same warm up jersey he was wearing in the dugout. I'm like, why am I sitting in the dugout at Miller? Park? <laughs> I don't have that number. <laughs> okay, why anyways, was I sitting there? <laughs> anyways, yeah, that experiment's over. So uh, Corbin Burns is, gets the call finally, and he's apparently going to pitch in the bullpen, right? Yes, so. Corbin Burns well, is going that's to pitch been out the plan for a while, right? Right, I didn't know when kind he kind got- of. I well, mean, I mean, Stern said uh, Stern said a month ago that their plan was to work him out of the bullpen, bring him up to be able to kind of bet him into the big leagues, and then bring him back as a starter next year. Sure. Okay. So he's not taking the Freddie Peralta path where he gets to be a starter when he comes up. No. Okay. Right. And he's been pitching out of the bullpen in Colorado Springs for a month plus. Yeah, I was gonna. I don't think it's been quite that long. I was gonna say it was early been, June. I think, been, I think it's been about three weeks. Okay, I was going to say at least a month. Okay, so anyways, we're we're not going to quibble over those details. Um, what can people expect out of Burns, JP, when they see him on the mound finally? Uh, so Corbin Burns is going to, he's comfortably between kind of uh, 
93, 95, he can touch a little bit higher. Uh, you'll see him probably in shorter stints hit, you know, 96, maybe 97, a couple more times, but he's comfortably nine, 93 to 90, 95 natural cut on it. Uh, his slider has gotten a lot better since earlier last year. It's consistently showing plus it's got good bite on it. He has a change up and a curveball. His change up kind of fringe average pitch. It's been growing. Sometimes it flashes average his curveball. Um, from what I've heard, it hasn't necessarily been his strongest pitch at the moment, but, um, kind of has it to be able to change eye angles if if needed. How much uh, has he been affected by Colorado Springs? Man, that's a giant shrug emoji every single time. Well, <laughs> I mean, I only ask that because like Peralta was doing well in Colorado Springs, but we've also seen a guy who throws what multiple fastballs. Yeah, basically. Which can he, kind of play in Colorado. Yeah, he can he yeah. can play in Colorado. Yeah. Burns, does he need those secondary pitches, those breaking pitches to be su- successful? Yeah, absolutely. He's going to he's going to rely on his slider a lot more than somebody like Peralta is going to rely on his curveball. Um, And it's hard to be able to tell he's not going to miss as many bats in the zone. Right. I mean, that's what Peralta has been so good at is he can throw a lot of fastballs, but still miss bats. And and Burns isn't necessarily the same kind of guy when it comes to his fastball. So even if he is going to rely on that pitch, he's still going to have more balls in play, which in Colorado Springs is not a good thing. So. I think he's going to probably be more f- just fastball slider out of the bullpen. I don't think you're going to see him me- mess with too many, you know, changeups or or curveballs or anything like that. The only way I could see him bring in more more changeups is if they actually try to deploy him in something in which they're going to go multiple innings with him, which they might do. I mean, this might be they might have this grand idea that he is basically going to be a right-handed uh right-handed Josh Hader. Where I was just going to ask. Yeah, Ryan, do you think that they're they're trying to go for a uh, right left uh, long? I mean, the list of guys who could potentially be that guy. It's a long list. Like before, I I would definitely think they would try Hauser at that before they would try Burns to fit that role. Well, but, but if for, they want but, Burns but, up next season and they're breaking well, him in. Right, but so there are a couple things to that. Number one, I I don't act. I'm not 100 percent sure that I think Burns can miss enough bats to be the same kind of elite of reliever as as Hater. Like I'm not suggesting that. Well, he's nobody's going to a, be a hater, nobody's right? as good as Hater. That's right. Like yeah. like actually historically uh, that is true. Um, <laughs> and you mean guys don't routinely put up like 1.1 FIPS? That's not normal. Oh, I just meant like his strikeout percentage is actually like the highest ever for a reliever. Right. Sure. Um, or a but, starter. But I think the other thing to remember with Hauser is they're building up his arm strength because of his injuries. Like they need him to be able, if they want him to still develop as a starter, he's got to pitch. He can't come in and and just be a one or two inning guy. He needs to be able to to extend out. So they want Hauser as a starter. So that's why they're not going to just bring him up as a long term solution in the bullpen. Yeah, I think I think Hauser Peralta. Burns, they still have designs on on those guys being able to be starting starting pitchers. Um, the big question mark, and this is maybe something that Ryan and I can get into a little bit more, is is Luis Ortiz has really taken a step backwards, but they've kind of messed with him out of the bullpen a little bit more as of late, where his uh, his slider can look a little bit better out of that role. So it'll be interesting to see if they do something a little bit different there. But as of right now, Burns has the innings under his belt. He has the arm strength. He has everything that you need to be able to, to develop as a starter. And I think this is an opportunity that they basically said, we don't need to develop him as a starter anymore. He has it. He has the command. He's got the repertoire. He needs to be able to face big league pitchers. This is an opportunity for him to be able to do it. Peralta, Peralta I think, has just basically pitched his way into the role basically because he was on the 40-man roster already and he's been so good. And Hauser still needs to develop both his his third pitch but also needs to develop his arm strength to be able to still be a starting rotation option. So do you think this is going to be a good way, Ryan, for the Brewers to basically break Burns in since he had to – he got knocked around in Colorado Springs? Sure, it's fine. You want to get a guy exposed to the big leagues and get him – and if this is a way to get him some positive reinforcement to see his ability to get guys out and do that, that's fine. And it's also a good way to manage the innings and keep him in a position where they could potentially use him as a starter down the stretch if that's what needs to happen. 
So yeah, this is a this is a fine way to handle that situation. There's nothing wrong with it. And speaking of managing innings, I know that Brandon Woodruff was the guy that got passed up in all these moves. Um, and there's a doubleheader against uh, Pittsburgh coming up before you know they hit the All Star game. Who you know Woodruff seemed like the guy that would have been penciled in for that. I was assuming Woodruff was coming up for the doubleheader. He's not. Um, according to Adam McKelvey, uh, Woodruff pitched the past Monday. That got cut short. He hasn't really pitched since. Um, McKelvey asked if it was an injury, and the club said no. They planned on basically giving him a break before the AAA All-Star game. So um, what are the, I guess, what are the expectations for Woodruff uh, going forward? And then also I'll note that Wade Miley comes off the 60-day DL, and it looks like he's going to be the guy that steps into that role. Yeah. Well, for the suitor slash Wilkerson spot? Yeah, I think that trying to predict what they're going to do with Brandon Woodruff at this point, I, I think I'm out of that game for now because <laughs> we thought all offseason that they really needed to give him run late, and we thought they would, and it, that hasn't been the case. And we just, you know, it, it's hard to say. I don't, I'm not sure what their issue is with Woodruff. I'm not sure what their their skepticism seems to be with them. But there does seem to be skepticism there from them, at least that they don't want to put him in and just let him, you know, sink or swim as a starter at this point. They're, they're I don't totally agree with that, but okay. Well, but they're not. They haven't. I mean, they haven't let him just go. They haven't. There have been plenty of opportunities with Davies out, with Nelson out, with Suter having to go on the DL a few times, with I mean, Anderson I'll, missing I'll time. Say that they could have. Freddie Peralta has got more of an opportunity to have a run in the starting rotation than Brandon Woodruff. But right. I think Peralta, Peralta, like you said, pitched his way in. Oh, certainly. He's Absolutely only did. really had one just dud of a start. Well, and that's the Absolutely. same with Woodruff. Woodruff had one dud of a start in Colorado. Other than that, it's, you're looking at a three and a half ERA. But the timing was poor for Woodruff's. And I'm not saying that's fair. His, yeah, I'm his not saying has I'm not been saying poor. I'm not saying that's the only way to judge him. But the timing was poor because he had a bad start. They could send him back down, and then when they need to call yeah. somebody up, Peralta but was the guy. They've had plenty of chances. They could have called him back up for various things. And but I'm haven't. saying there there are a few factors. His timing was poor to have the bad start, and then also Peralta has pitched well and was on the forty man, so they didn't have to like make any extra moves. That's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the, a couple things out. Number one, to talk about um, Corbin Burns and and his issues in in Colorado, I think it's it's worth noting that he actually had a three six ERA outside of Colorado Springs, and his ERA in Colorado Springs was about seven and a half. Um, so whether or not like something stuff wise was bothering him, the statistics show that it was vastly different. And the PCL um, is still tough to pitch in, even if you're not in Colorado Springs. Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. It absolutely is. Um, but I think I'm starting to wonder more and more, and I, and I don't know, but like with Burns, with Hauser starting to pitch a lot better, with Wilkerson coming back and obviously being trusted to come in and, and throw in the big leagues, I do wonder if Brandon Woodruff is going to be one of the first players that they're looking at to be able to offer in some kind of trade to be able to, to bring in somebody at the trade deadline. What's Woodruff's value? I have no idea. I don't even think the Brewers know. Yeah, I'm not I mean, sure. It, I'm, my guess is it would vary widely from team to team. There might be some teams out there that really think, hey, this is a guy we could do something with, and there's value there that the Brewers haven't really given him that run to establish himself yet. And other teams may look at him and you know see whatever it is the Brewers are seeing that they're not giving him that run. So, I mean, it's, it's got a little bit of a Ryan Cordell feel to it, right? Like somebody who they, they kind of say like, should probably have an opportunity to be on the on a big league team. Um, but right now, just because of roster considerations and just because of, you know, like you said, bad timing, maybe bad luck, just have an opportunity to do it. Because if you still look forward to next year, I don't know where he fits in. I mean, there's five rotation spots. And in reality, we, we all know there's like seven five or eight. Five rotation Wait, hold on. Spots, right? yeah. but would, you, you have... would you jump Burns over Woodruff at this point? I I... Well, yeah. I mean, I had him hired, and I had him hired in Woodruff on my preseason. Well, I, under, I understand that, but that's a preseason prospect list. I'm talking about actual like roster construction, like who gets starting spots. Right, but for next year, you've you've still got 
you've still got you've, presumably Nelson's back. They're saying that he probably is going to come back and be able to pitch in September if he does pitch. But even still, over the course of an entire offseason, you would suspect that he would be here. So you'd have Nelson, Davies, Anderson, Suter, Peralta, Shasta, uh, Guerra, Guerra, uh, Burns, like you and well, like Wilkerson, Hauser. Like I don't know where Woodruff fits in that. Like so you either, put him seventh or eighth before he gets a shot. Sure, but like, is there really that much of a difference between him and say Wilkerson at being seventh or eighth? If somebody is going to be able to offer something useful for you to be able to 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 fill in something in the middle infield, I don't know. I mean. By the way, okay, this is off the point. How Real useful quick. is it and how rental is it? If you're talking about a, a pure rental well, I, of I a... I know that you don't want to trade anyone for a rental. I yeah, but by, by the way... Well, re- no, but like Brandon... Hold on. Would you trade Brandon Woodruff for Jed Lowry? Because we've talked about I would Lowry trade him for Manny lot. Machado, but... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I might. Woodruff for, for Lowry. I mean, I would have... Here's Brandon would Woodruff. Have some issue with that. Here's Woodruff and some money for Machado. No, <laughs> you're still working that angle. I am still working that angle. Write the check. Just write it. Just write yourself a World Series. You know, just pay for it. Nobody cares. The Yankees do it. So hey, who, who owns Domino's at this point? Right. Well, who's our Mike? That was that was a uh, Little Caesars and Mike Illich. Yeah. Well, we oh, got to go for a different was, pizza sorry. chain. Yeah, no, it was right, a different yeah. pizza chain. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. No, we need to get over. Dom- we need to get Domino's on board. We can have like Mark Adnasio <laughs> bring in a partner. Hey, Topper's Pizza. Topper's. <laughs> it's actually it's my family company. Anyway, I just, I'm just yeah, an eccentric right. millionaire. You wish. <laughs> eccentric trust fund baby hey uh we do have a patreon question uh from ben oler he asks according to ken rosenthal the brewers are very in on manny machado what do you think a reasonable and fair package would look like to get him from baltimore the dodgers only had to give up one of their top 10 prospects for a rental last season so would that be in line with expectations for the machado deal i don't think so I think that that's low. The comparison, we've talked about this a bunch. I think Darvish is a step down from what Machado's value as a rental is. Um, I think Darvish is a solid step down from that. So I I think it it involves more to get Manny Machado. I, I hear you, but at the same time, you have seen both last summer and this winter that every single buyer knows if you start telling them that you don't want to pay, they're going to accept a deal anyway. Right. Like it's it's again and again, you have seen the like the Yankees had the audacity to go in and start telling people that, oh, by the way, our top five prospects not on the table. Yeah, that was that was a baller move on their part. They're just like, nope. And so if you know that Manny Machado is going to be moved because he could stay. And we've talked about the fact that the Orioles are kind of weird enough that they might try to do this and they might keep them on board to be able to sell tickets and be able to do all of these things. But at the end of the day, everybody expects Manny Machado to go. And when it comes down to it, every single buyer knows that if you hold your if you hold your guns, you don't have to get rid of the prospects you you don't want to get. The only way that that changes is if there's a bidding war, and we haven't seen a a legitimate bidding war for a trade in a long time. By the way, okay, so I saw that the Cubs are possibly in on Machado. Well, the Brewers were listed as somebody did a sequence. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. hold on, hold yeah. on, hold on. Okay, so the Cubs are in on Machado, but for that to happen. Like Addison Russell looks like the guy that would have to go back in the trade. Yeah, that's hard to believe that they would do that. Why? I mean, the okay, everybody's expecting the Cubs to go out and sign Bryce Harper. Would you be shocked if they? Instead oh no, decide, I'm not expecting them to sign Bryce Harper. But people are expecting it's the Yankees and then the Cubs. Anyways, the Cubs are going to make a big splash in the off season. Would it be that surprising if the Cubs? move Russell for Machado and then just figure we can write the checkout for Machado going into the next season. I mean, if I, if I'm Machado, I'm not, I'm not basically tying my future to anybody that I'm getting traded. Well, to. but I'm saying no. the, the Cubs can write out the check that they need to. So if they, but it doesn't if, matter. They can write out the check if they don't give up whatever it would take to give so up. Can, so I can agree, but, the, stuff, but they, yeah. okay. But they would still not have space for Addison Russell the following season. So they might as well get Machado early, 
Yeah. Make a run this season with him, and then the, write out the check they need to the following season. That people were tossing around had the Cubs as the, the had the lowest offer in on Machado at this point. Would the Brewers Addison, were like third on that? Hold list. on, would Addison Russell be the lowest offer available? They, no, I don't but think I they also were don't think him. that they would be willing to do that. I don't you don't think, think they're th- doing it. You no. don't think they would trade Addison Russell no. and whatever else for no. Manny Machado? No, I mean, if, if I'm going to trade Addison Russell, I'm going to go out and get something that I have control over past this year. And they kind of need just – well, they need pitching too. Absolutely. I'm going to say that if I'm going to have Addison Russell out, I am going to get something better than – something that has more long-term value than Manny Machado. Right. Yeah. Like – I think the I think the most difficult thing with Manny Machado is the fact that he wants to he wants to go to free agency. And God bless him. That's what yeah. he should yeah, do. That, get get paid. Get paid. Absolutely, right? Yeah, go go. He's actually that. having a monster season going into free agency unlike Harper. And who's going to sign with the Phillies or Washington by the way? Like Not, if you if you're the, the Cubs, Cubs and you, you don't want think to be, be able to go in I don't know how that outfield would work, but yeah, that's like, not happening. The Yankees just pack everybody in and, you know, no. damn the roster no. construction. No. Okay. I, I was like, uh, but the thing is, like, if you're the Cubs, you don't have to give up Addison Russell to get to get uh, Manny Machado. The only way you have to get rid of Addison Russell is if somebody else comes in with an actual legitimate offer. And every single team knows that they do not have to do that until maybe a day or two left in the Okay, in the so season, right? what is an actual legitimate offer from the Brewers for Manny Machado that you would be on board with? I don't know that there is one. There is no legitimate. You wouldn't do Corbin Burns for half a season of Manny Machado? I wouldn't like it. I could probably live with that, but I wouldn't like it. JP? Yeah, I, I could. I could do that. You would do Corbin Burns for I mean, are we Machado. talking just Corbin Burns, or you have to then give an assortment of other guys? I mean, if there's an assortment of other guys that are outside of the top 10, would that bother you? I mean, I could do Corbin Burns plus an assortment of guys outside the top 10. Yeah, I could do that. That's fine. But I'm assuming it wouldn't. I'm assuming that won't get it done. I'm assuming you'd so, have to give up. Something. You're assuming it's guys who couldn't be top ten prospects outside the top ten. I'm just saying. Your, I'm saying like, it's your to need be, to hoard prospects. Well, no, I'm saying that it's going to be multiple guys inside the top five to seven that you're going to have to do to get Manny Machado. I don't think so, JP. I don't think so either. To but get, like to to it, be the winning bid on him from our farm system right now, I think that's yeah. I personally, I think the Orioles are going to do a. Uh, with the Brewers, they're going to say, oh, Keston Hira. And they're going to say, basically, we we don't want to deal with you unless you're willing to give up Keston Hira. Okay, hold and on. you absolutely, hold, hold on, on, hold on. You absolutely, you guys both agree, you would not give up Keston Hira in is, a Manny Machado trade, right? Is there anything on the market this season that you would trade Keston Hira for, JP? I mean, probably not. I, I like mean, a Jacob deGrom or Noah Syndergaard? I don't think so, just because I don't think that actually addresses where the ma- the vast majority of the issues are with this team, which I think is lengthening the lineup. And I think that that's going to continue to be an issue next year, where with how good the bullpen is, what they need right now in the rotation is something that I didn't see prior to the year. And prior to the year, we talked about again that I said they didn't need just another guy like you know Lance Lynn or or Alex Cobb somebody with a huge variance because they had plenty of those guys which which is true right and not just that's really played out I was gonna say not just because they've been shit but because they've still have a lot of they still have a lot of you know the Brewers have so many pitchers that have a variance to be able to be quality quality pitchers but because they don't need to rely on their starting pitching as much because their their bullpen has been so good and so right now, if you're looking at, I think the best place to be able to impact this team is by getting something to be able to lengthen the lineup, because that right now, I think is the biggest hole. Okay. You're getting like really great bullpen production right now. Is there any need to go out and make a move and really make a run at it this season? Because I know I like to rag on bullpens. We like to joke about that. But it is something, there's a lot of variance from season to season. Sure. So if yeah. you're in position to take advantage of it, are the Brewers in a position to say, we will overpay this season because we know we're getting what we need from the bullpen, from the rotation, et cetera. Let's get that bat in the lineup to make this that much better of a team. I don't, uh, not for me. Okay, I'm not talking to you, uh, JP. 
Uh, probably not just because of your, your, your exact conversation about saying that because bullpens have inherent variance, that that also happens in season, just because they've been good thus far, doesn't mean they're going to be continued to be elite, you know, for the last two months. Right. And I think the Brewers know that. And I would have uh, said that, had but you not but, shut me down, <laughs> but yeah, I think, sure. I think one of the things that we can see is with Corbin Burns coming up, potentially if he stays up, that's a potential addition to the bullpen that they would otherwise go out and try to try to get via the trade market. Uh, Matt Albers is going to be coming back, presumably healthy, which will be another addition, which is, which will obviously help. Um, can able uh, being able to actually turn it around and continue to be a good quality closer obviously helps. Uh, Jeremy Jeffress continues to show that his velocity and his splitter are just as good as they've ever been. And his splitter has completely transformed the way that he's able to pitch. And I just, I think with the fact that the bullpen and the defense has made the, the primary, the, the, the primary need in the starting rotation to be depth. And that right now, I don't necessarily know what going going out and getting a Jacob Degrom is going to be able to add for two months, and obviously you'd be able to to say that for next year, but I think if you go and get somebody, again, it needs to be a bat because who knows when? Who knows if Jonathan VR is going to be able to keep this up past two two weeks from now? Who knows if Manny Manny Pini is going to be able to come and do anything, or if Orlando RC is able, even able to make it back to the big leagues this year before September, and then you're relying on what? Tyler Saladino and Brad Miller not being the guys that ended up getting them DFA'd. Like, what do you do? Hold on. What do you do with Arcia if you make a move this season and it's at shortstop to try to lengthen that lineup? I mean, what is that saying to Arcia long term? Well, not I think that much. Go, I, I think if you go out and get somebody, and right, I said this with with Jed Lowry. I think you don't necessarily go out and get somebody that you're going to be targeting long term. Right. I think you go out. You go out and get. I think they showed exactly what is they're going to do this. this is it Ray season. Durham to Ricky Weeks's uh, performance at second base? And yes, was that two thousand eight. Yep. I think I think this is good. They showed their hand last season. They're going to do. They're going to do a Neil Walker type of move. Okay. Well, you could make an argument they already did that with Brad Miller. Sure, and like Neil Walker was a really quality addition, right? Who else did they go out and get last year? They they made Swarzak. another addition. Swarzak, right? Swarzak, and he yeah. actually was much more of an impactful move in terms of how much it costs than Neil Walker. That he was great. Swarzak was outstanding. Okay, so uh, we're, we're going to run long here if we keep going. So I'm going to try to do a, a few. All that, sco- all that Scooter Jeanette chat. It was. <laughs> but you know what? That was that was a good chat to have. So um, I, we got a few questions. Let's move through them quick. At uh, Brew Crew TSSC asks, uh, is it accurate to put the odds of a Machado deal for the Brewers at 0.01%? Because in spite of the leaks from the Orioles that uh, has half the NL in on Machado, it feels more like 0.0001% to me. It's not that bad. I mean, it's not, I shouldn't say it's not that bad. It's not that low. If they're talking to the Orioles, it's obviously higher than well, that. And in the hierarchy of teams, whatever that the hierarchy that was going around yesterday, I saw, and it, the Brewers were third on a list of seven. So, like, the Brewers have put something reasonably competitive with what else is being offered for Machado at this point. So, it's quite possible that they would, that it would happen. I just don't think that it's. So it's like, particularly I, I likely. I think I when the rubber this. meets the road, I don't think they're going to get into a bidding war for him. So I, I didn't see this. This well, okay. So no, we know that that Stearns will not get into a bidding war. We do, we know that, right? Like he he consistent. That's the reason why they waited so long and couldn't get a, a reliever until they got Matt Albers's, and they missed Swarzak by like one million dollars and all these things because they put their number and they said take it or leave it. Um, but I think. Is this is this an art like I didn't see this article? Is this something that actually said like we know what the offers are and like they rank them? They they it sounded like the Orioles had like basically said what order of preference they had and the Phillies were at the top of it, right? And so like, but your first reaction to that should be, okay, why the hell are they doing this? Well, it's the Orioles. 
They're right. dysfunctional which, as hell. Which, which, which would mean to this me... This lightning round is not going well, so... No, but this would mean to me that uh, they're doing this for a reason, which probably means they are not actually getting the offers that they would like. And no, and well, that obviously... Was, but they're, they're setting their bar really, really high, that and was, everybody's acknowledged. Hold on. They're setting their bar super they've high. Got, that was the lead. left. Why not? That was the lead of the story. It was basically the Orioles aren't getting the offers they want. And like you just said, JP, there's three weeks. They're not going to get the offers they want right now. They're so never I mean, going to get the offers they want. But especially right now. I wouldn't be surprised if you get closer to the deadline. They get something where they go. Yeah, it's not exactly what we want, but it's pretty close. So um, they may get an offer they'll accept. I don't think they're going to get an offer that they want. Okay, uh, Bert Huvis asks, is there a chance the Brewers look at the pieces they have and will have for next season and not make any moves? Very low. They're going to do something. They're going to do, even if it's just filling in with, you know, various okay. pieces, I guess, a backup catcher, another infielder. Okay, I, I guess part of, part of this question is, you know, they look at what they have for next season. So Keston Hira is off limits. Corbin Burns is off limits. Uh, you know, any other number you want to go down in the top 10, they just say, no, we're good if they're going to be up here within a season. If I'm betting on what's going to happen this year, it's they will make a move. It will not be a big, flashy, you know, splashy move the way people want. It'll be more like last year where they they add some pieces like Neil Walker and Anthony Swarzak, and that's the most likely outcome. JP, what's the chances that we see someone who, like, we're excited to see in the uh, system get moved this uh, before August. Does that count like Brett Phillips and Brandon Woodruff? No. Basically, Definitely. like I said, it's Hira, Burns. I don't know who else would be on that list. No, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Breen. Okay. Uh, Jason Spitz asks, uh, can we acknowledge the fact that corner outfield is among our top needs going into the second half? Anyone have a realistic candidate for acquisition? It's a I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. Corner. I, I don't either. Yeah. I mean, they have Thames out there, you know, I think what's probably getting, you know, underreported or what we aren't considering is the fact that Domingo Santana, you know, still has the ability to hit. Like he could be back and be a huge addition to the second half of the team. Yeah. That, I mean, that that would be big if, you know, by, you know, August, mid-August, you bring back Domingo Santana. Hell, if they brought him back in right after the All-Star break or okay, something. Okay, well, I'm not going to go crazy with it. I'm going to say he needs a little time to figure things out. But, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't see corner outfield. Because right now they need to get Thames bat in the lineup and putting him in the corner outfield and, you know, playing some games where he's – playing corner outfield on a number of days and then potentially getting like today he got moved to first base late in the game. Well, has Aguilar shown that like basically Thames has to be an outfielder? No. I mean, as of right now, like in the next few weeks, probably. Oh, sure. In the next few weeks, but over the course of the rest of the season. Yeah. There's not that many weeks left after if we see it like we are over halfway through. Yeah, but I mean, Thames will be Thames will get time at first base. I'm confident in that. Yes, but I mean, the majority of the time, are you platooning Aguilar at this point? No. Oh no, 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 no! Because he'd be the soft side of the platoon. He's well, exactly than that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the way you were talking about it. Yeah, I think that Thames will continue to get some corner outfield time. I think the other thing to remember is that, especially at the corner outfield, you're really only looking at being able to fill in until September because then that's when you're going to have Brett Phillips up. That's when you're going to have Cam Broxton up. That's when you're going to have Domingo Santana up. All of those guys around 40-man are going to be up for the September run. By the right. way, speaking of that, I, I was going to ask earlier, and then we kind of moved on. Is there the possibility that they make sure Jimmy Nelson pitches before September so they at least have – the option to put him on a postseason roster? They don't have to. He could come back on September 25th and pitch on the postseason roster. Because he's on the DL? Right. Yes. Because he's on the DL, you have that flexibility. It's You're talking about if you, you need to make sure that a guy comes in from outside the organization to do, to be eligible for the postseason roster. Is it only outside? Okay. Yes. Yeah. No. He could come back on the 25th. Okay. Still, so it's not hey, just remember guys. Giovanni Gallardo in 2008? That dude didn't. He pitched. No, one, that was so long ago. He pitched one game in the regular season. I hey, think. Hey, hold on. When do we get bobbleheads of the 2008 team? Uh, 
soon. Shouldn't we do bobbleheads for I mean, when the? When do we start? It's a when ten year anniversary. Like, Start doing like creation myths from the 2018. I actually have. Like, I, we actually start moving into some kind of mythical, mythical team. Like, what's their nickname, by the way? Do they have one? I know the Sabathias. I don't know. I mean, it's. <laughs> I have a question for you guys, though. And this was this was a discussion that was had between me and yes, my wife. Yes, we would this still week. make the Sabathia deal. No, 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 no. This has nothing to do with that. So Twice. I have. Two, <laughs> I have a couple of. I have a couple of uh, framed things from the end of the 2008 season one is the ticket the towel the program from the last day of the season from six game, bucks from game 162 the other one is all the postseason stuff so there's like a towel there's the those little thunder sticks that they gave out back then mm-hmm. and nice. the tickets from the two home games of that series and i'm assuming that at some point potentially Soon, I might want to retire one of those sets of memorabilia. So the question is, which one stays? Do I keep the game? Which, what's more significant? On. Is it the postseason frame, the one that has the postseason stuff? Or is it that game 162 in 2008? And I think it's the game 162 in 2008. That's I'm, the thing that stands out. I'm awful for this stuff because I think it's all garbage and I wouldn't pay for any of it. I said I say I pay six bucks. Um, I'm not selling it. I'm how much going to stay on my wall? How much is the frame? Which one is going to be imbued with more feelings? Uh, Game one sixty two. I don't. I don't think it matters. Wait, hold on. (laughs) Now the the game one sixty two frame. Does it have a little speaker where you can play the uh, Brian Anderson (laughs) call of the Braun home run? Nice. I mean that that would add value to it. That would be a a value add because unless it does that, I don't care. But It'd be like one of those talking basses. But by the Maybe way, I should, have to hold admit, on. I should put this we out were, to the listeners. We were, what should I keep? What is better there? The the no, the playoff well, I, the I'm playoff gonna, stuff I'm, or the game one sixty two stuff? I'm going to add my my two my two cents here. The only reason the one sixty two game even matters whatsoever is because you remember the playoffs afterwards. But oh, because it got them into the playoffs. It yes. got them into the playoffs. Yeah, be, right. but that so day, functi- that so it's functionally the exact same thing. But as that day was that day in particular was an amazing day. I mean, that was one of the right. coolest days I've. That I'm is the coolest day I've ever spent at Miller Park. It's better than Game Five of the the 2011 NLCS or NLDS. Hold on, hold on. I remember being at Game Five of the NLDS. You were at both of them with me. Where you were standing yes. next to me in both cases. So. Yes, and yeah. that I'm was pretty pretty great. Are they functionally? Like functionally the same thing as a playoff ticket. The the game the 162, 162. Game 162 is essentially a playoff ticket. Yes. Right. It was. And it was. Because they finished that game. Remarkable. Hold on. They finished that game. And then we sat there and they put the uh, Mets game up on the scoreboard. And we I watched play, the celebration. I was, playing, I was playing in a college golf tournament. And we all and we all actually like stopped paying. We like didn't go to the award ceremony for who was winning that. Uh, <laughs> like. For, for who actually was winning. And we all like sat around all the teams from Wisconsin went in and sat around and watched the Brewers game. A bunch of people from Illinois were all like, uh, there were a couple of teams from Illinois that were really upset that nobody actually came to the award ceremony, but we were all watching the Brewers game. <laughs> I mean, the thing is that day I can tell you like what happened before that game, what happened after that game, like that game, that 162 was so you're answering your own question. I am answering my own question for me, but I'm, yeah, so I'm interested for, the, for the, the, the general feedback of people. What's the bigger deal in that case? Is it the actual playoff games that, you know, they did win that game three. They did. Dave Bush pitched a good game and they won game three against the Phillies and then lost game four. Because yeah, Jeff I was at I was at game three as well. I think we were together, actually. We were. Uh, yep. Oh, that's sweet. You were so. there, too. <laughs> Were we? Yeah, you were. <laughs> I was somewhere in the stands. You were there. I think well, my we brother. Know, we know that me. we know that answer is not the game three tickets. It's not. Steve. No. <laughs> Steve's like I might have been there. I, I okay. We got those tickets from uh, Dan Walsh. Hi, Dan. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Okay, so this is going off the rails. Uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. By the way, we should say that we all three of us are going to be at the game against the Dodgers on July twenty first. Yeah, yes, we are, and so we're we're thinking about either uh, getting together somewhere before the game where listeners can come in and kind of meet up, and we can we can chat. Otherwise, we're thinking about maybe meeting somewhere like the fourth inning or something during during the game in Miller Park where listeners can come chat, or perhaps both. Oh well, yeah, I guess there's no reason we can't do both. We could do both, but like I said, if you're looking for a game to go to coming up the twenty uh, first, the three of us are going to be the there. Dodgers. 
It is against the Dodgers. It's Kershaw still going to be on the DL. Yeah, I think. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going to say, is, is he still going to be on the Dodgers? No, he's going to be traded to Milwaukee. He's going to be traded to Milwaukee. See Clayton Kershaw's first start with the Brewers. The Dodgers are back in first place, by the way. <laughs> I feel absolutely shocked that everybody overreacted after a month and a half of baseball. Yeah. How many games did they win in a row last season? I mean, the they had a, all they of had them a, in July. They had, a, they had a run where they won like 44 of 50 or something. I mean, it was. <laughs> and they earned that much third. So anyways, if you are looking for a game coming up, that's a Saturday. Uh, we'll figure it out uh, if we're going to do a meetup beforehand or at the game. If you have any suggestions, obviously send us a message on Twitter. You can send us an email, something like that. Um, otherwise, we'll probably. If we do a meetup, it'll be someplace on Blue Mound. Sure. Presumably, if yeah. that's what you think. Yeah, we'll figure it out yeah um but if you have suggestions let us know um but otherwise yeah plan for that game um Ryan, and that, ryan's gonna give mike zagurski uh <laughs> autographs i'm yeah i will i will learn his signature and i will yeah I you will, gotta do it left-handed though wait wait wait, wait hold on i can't do that <laughs> do you think you need to learn his signature so people think it's a legitimate <laughs> autograph yeah, yeah. i mean we are the not, internet we exists are. I was gonna say, uh, first of all, disclaimer: we are absolutely not endorsing any kind of fraud whatsoever. Fraud, no, forgery, no. We don't want. Yeah, we don't. We don't want you going with the is showing up. <laughs> but, but Ryan, you need to learn his actual signature and do it left-handed. Does he sign <laughs> it left-handed? Well, I'm assuming. I would assume so. Pitcher. <laughs> Maybe he just. With the way he's pitched, he might be right-handed. <laughs> I was going to say that he was, was that's what I said. He was DFA'd was actually quite good. Yeah, I put that on Facebook. I was like, well, apparently I've been called up. I didn't even know I was left-handed, but hey, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyways, that's going to do it for the show this week. You can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Patrons at the ball and glove level will receive the monthly minor league extra podcast, and that'll come out within the next week. As always, follow us on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. You can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and the Google Play Store and whatever other app you use to download podcasts. What do you use, Ryan? Uh, I use Pocket Cast. Yes, because you're an Android user. Mm, I'm an Android. You are an Android. JP, do you I, have anything? I use Overcast. Okay, overcast. Yeah, th those are basically the two big ones. Okay, so I mean, I apparently could use Google Play now. It does do it? Google put out a new podcast app because Google just releases stuff and then doesn't support it after a couple of years. Yeah. Well, so basically, they continue to support Google Play because I've made a rather hefty time investment in putting my entire music library up on there. But legitimately, if you're looking for something, Overcast and Pocket Cast are both really good. So. Uh, use those two if you don't have one of the installed apps on your phone. Um, you can leave reviews and help people find the podcast. Obviously, follow us on Twitter. And uh, thanks for listening. Look for us again next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Boom. Oh, shit. I was going to get a Zoom joke in there at the end. Too. <laughs> Couldn't quite get it in there. Um, because, do you know that Ryan invested in Zoom? Yeah, that was like a running thing. That he I was totally, yeah. The last podcast. Yes, no, that was I mean, a, that's been a joke for the last 10 years. Yeah. I, was I like, assume, but it's been so long. I don't know if people actually know where it came it from. It was a fucking superior product, you assholes. That was shit. Congratulations. No, it was. It was seriously. That was a superior product. To I've had. I had both. I ended up having a one twenty gigabyte uh, uh, iPod. iPod, and it was shit compared to the Zune. The Zune was a better fucking product. That's it was totally why Guardians of the Galaxy made the Zune joke at the end of the movie. It's a better product. <laughs>